You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson, former NFL scout, former college scout, former 10-year employee, football analyst, NFL analyst at ESPN, and I've been talking to you guys pretty much five days a week ever since now, going on quite a few years. This will be my 19th season, I think, as a football expert, analyst, or part of a team. It is great to chat with you as it is every day. Please belly up to my bar. Let's chat with your guys' questions. Um, Because we've had such good guests and topics over the last several weeks, months, year, we've gotten away from Twitter Thursdays, Twitter Tuesdays a little bit, and they were always popular shows. So in a way, I apologize. In a way, I say you're welcome because we've given you such good content with great guests. This is a weird time of year, as I mentioned yesterday, when Jeff was on from Locked On Browns. We talked more than Browns. I urge you to check that out. So I'm thinking that pretty much every Tuesday going forward for the foreseeable future, we're going to do Twitter questions. And I threw it out there yesterday. As usual, you guys stepped up huge and we have a lot, we have a good slate here. So enough babbling, enough of all that precursor. Let's just dig right in. And here's a fun one, and I'm going to go on a little diatribe here. At Mangoes Wild goes, ask me, how many years in a row are we going to win the Crown League? What the heck are you talking about, Williamson? Well, a new endeavor. Some of you are aware, and I'm going to record one tomorrow night, about once a week or so, my good buddy Ryan McDowell, who's exceptional, And I record the Dynasty Blueprint podcast. And that one, we obviously talk about all NFL things, but it's a fantasy podcast. And frankly, it's the biggest Dynasty podcast on the planet right now. We get great guests on there. And for you that don't know, Dynasty is a lot more like real-life GMing in the fantasy world. In that, you know, right now a lot of rookie drafts are going on, where you're adding rookies to your already existing team. And your teams are kept from year to year. So if you're rebuilding, maybe you're selling off the Larry Fitzgeralds and Adrian Petersons for future draft picks. You know what I mean? Most of you are familiar with this. But the new project going on, they I'm very honored because they asked me and then they asked me to find a, a co-GM, like a vice president. And I picked Ryan, of course that the Crown League will be starting up soon. And this is going to be a 12-team league. Evan Silva, Mike Clay, a lot of big-name dudes have a team. So it's an honor to be one of the 12. And the name of our team is the Florida Mangoes, where the Mangoes, the Florida Mangoes Wild. It's a Mango, Florida Man Goes Wild. But you read it as the Florida Mangoes Wild. Pretty, pretty clever little name. I didn't come up with it. I wish I did. Um, so check that out. I'll tell you more and more about the Crown League as we get closer to it. But it's a way for you guys to get behind me and invest. And I can make you money as an owner of the Mangoes team, the, the Florida team. And there'll be 12 teams all over the country, L.A., New York, Philadelphia. And I'm not from Florida, but that's just the one that they gave me. We were the first ones to kick off. So check out my feed. Um, I'll be retweeting that stuff all the all the time. Follow at Mangoes Wild and follow the Crown League. There'll be more and more information to come on this. But to answer your question, we're going to win quite a few of them in a row. And it's a, quite a prestigious honor. I am awfully excited about it. B. 
be a new way. Of, it's really heavily backed too by some big name people you'll learn about. So enough of that, but it is really cool. I am super excited about it. Joshua Redding, there's a lot of good questions here, but he kind of is going to monopolize, monopolize the beginning of the show because he offered a lot of really good questions. So I picked a couple of his here right in a row. Which defense scares you the most in the NFC North and which offense? I love the Bears D, and that's the obvious choice, but I also think they're due for a little natural regression. Are they going to, you know, they lose two prominent members of that secondary. They didn't add much. You know, they lost more than they added. They're really well coached, and a guy like Roquan Smith might be even better this year. I think those are very feasible. But I have to bet they don't create as many turnovers. So I still think they'll be a really good defense, of course, but I would bet that they regress a little. What about Minnesota? I mean, what do we think of Everson Griffin? And they they're still, I think, will be really good. I think the Lions will struggle. They'll be middle of the pack at best. But I've I've kind of mentioned it under my breath. And I'm not saying they're the best offense in the North, but I think the Packers are the most improved defense in the league. Maybe the best defense in the North. I mean, an attacking style defense. You add the Smiths on the edges. For you who don't know, Clark and Daniels are as good a defensive tackle pairing as there is in the league. I mean, those two are studs. And then you kind of throw Gary in as the wild card that can do a lot but doesn't have to. I think it's a great fit for him. They're okay at linebacker. They're good at linebacker. Um, the secondary you know, gets a gift. Well, they moved up to get him. Um, another explosive rookie in the mix there. They got a lot of young talent on defense. I think the Packers' D has a chance to be really good. And I'm not saying they're necessarily the best in the North, but maybe they scare me the most if I'm the other teams. Which offense is the best? Maybe I'm such a Rodgers apologist. I think that they're still in that conversation and that he was not himself last year and he played hurt. And that in itself makes you go, ooh, if he... If he is a lot better player. If he's the player we saw a couple years ago as opposed to last year, that in itself makes the Packers very scary. I'm not a huge Cousins fan. I have some worries about Stafford. I have some worries about Trubisky. So I do think the Vikings' O almost has to be better, better line play, better running game. I expect the Lions' offense to be improved. I don't know that I feel the same way about Chicago, though. I mean, again, I have Trubisky questions. So I guess the Packers, but I gotta say there's not an offense. You know, there were some defenses I was pretty excited about. There's not offenses I'm doing cartwheels about in the NFC North. So Joshua also asks, what what kind of regression is expect, expected for the Chiefs if Tyree Kill doesn't play this year? And I don't think he will. I have no inside scoop on that, just my hunch. Mecole Hardman draft pick told us a lot. And the Andy Reid offense always has a burner, a top-taker offer, but none like Hill. And Hardman's a good prospect. I thought they may have overdrafted him because the need's so great, and that tells us plenty right there. And Mahomes and Reid are the great elixirs that no matter what you give them, I think they will create big plays. And I think Sammy Watkins is... You know, don't tell anyone, but I'm going to try to grab him in that dynasty league I was talking about, the Crown League. I think his best days could be ahead, although he's teased before. And I think Kelsey's the best tight end in the league. So they'll still be a really good offense. But I think they've taken a step back at running back since Hunt, and I think they'll absolutely take a step back at big play receiver 
from anyone. I mean, Hill, the difference to anyone, let alone a rookie who wasn't super productive at Georgia, I think is immense. So, yes, I do think there is regression coming for the Chiefs, assuming Hill's not there. Um, and that's not a knock at all on Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is a special, special player. And I don't know if their defense can make up for it. Um, Joshua also asked me, if Zach Taylor can't get a career year out of Dalton, do they move on next year? Probably. Um, I was kind of shocked they didn't this past year. I thought Haskins and the time might be right. But I also think, you know, I've been hard on Dalton over the year, but I also think that they will get more out of Dalton than we've seen. I mean, you know, I know people love Goff and he was the first overall pick, but I think they can get close to Goff-like production in this scheme and with the people around them. So I'm more optimistic about this situation, and I also think that Finley pick is kind of intriguing too. I mean, what if he closes out the season, plays the last month of the year, and shows something? But um, in the end, I don't think they have their quarterback, and it probably would be next year. I would think that timing would be a pretty good situation. Uh, Josh also asks, who plays first? Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. Um, I tend to think that Haskins has the best chance to play right away. The people in front of him are the least obtrusive, I would say, after Keenan coming back. And uh, I think his offensive line's in good shape. I think Locke ideally sits the year, but probably, kind of like I talked about in Cincinnati, might finish out the season when all's lost or um, Flacco's, you know, struggles. And Jones... (sighs) The thing is, all these guys probably play. I mean, history shows us this. I think the plan is not to play Jones. And it's kind of hard to say this, but I guess Eli's the best quarterback out of Flacco, Keenum, Eli. And I could see Eli in that offense having the most success with the incumbent there. So Jones might not get rushed in, but the NFL always tells us they get rushed in. I'm going to say Haskins is the guy, though, that plays first and probably should. All right, we are back, and who else? Who's next on here? We've got a pretty good list of stuff here. Mike the Magic Man asks, Any advice on how to get into the scouting world? I have a college degree with a minor in sports management and a vast knowledge of NFL information. Would you recommend taking a scouting class? Thank you. I enjoy listening to your show. Um, There's also a question here from Josh Robbins asking, How did you get into scouting, and would you ever make a return? So these kind of overlap. Um, one thing that wasn't available that is now is the scouting academy that Dan Hatman runs. And there's a lot of former scouts and people similar to me that I think that are involved in it. And I've never really been involved with it, but I've heard good things and Hatman does a really good job. That's certainly a way to look. I don't know what college you went to or where you're from there, Mike, the magic man, but locally you could pound on doors and this leads me to the path that I took and I know we have a lot of new listeners so I'm just going to make this quick that some of you have not heard my story but I will you know just buzz through it to give you an idea of of a path to take is coming out of college I, I bought a swimming pool servicing business here in Pittsburgh so my summers were busy my winters were not and I'd always loved football, and I had made decent money at a young age with this with this business, but I didn't want to clean pools and open and close pools and stuff forever. But I was in my early 20s, just graduated college, and had a little bit of spare change and owned a house, and my wife was doing well, and she's awesome. Um, so 
I went to Duquesne University and basically asked them, can I volunteer? Can I do anything? And that is after I worked with a local scouting service here, Joe Butler Metro Index. They were kind of the one of the first high school college scouting services of their day. Uh, Tom Donahoe helped uh, founder it, and he you know, was former GM of the Bills and Steelers. So I went down to Duquesne. They let me basically walk on as a free assistant. They gave me a sweatshirt or so. I would film practice. I would watch all their high school tape, say, these guys probably aren't worth your time. These guys are. And schools like that, I mean, they don't have full-time staffs. So they welcomed me with open arms. I had a little bit of experience. I was a little older than some of the other folks that would do such things. And if the defensive back coach didn't show up, I at least could get the guys to go through drills. You know, I mean, like those kind of things. Like our defensive back coach drove a bread truck. I mean, so we it wasn't like they were full-time dudes. And I did one season of that and found out that the recruiting assistant job opened up because at Duquesne, we had just hired the man, who, the dude who had it as our offensive coordinator, went and interviewed, nailed it, and kind of the rest is history. At that point, I was full-time football. I only made 12 grand a year as a recruiting assistant at Pitt for two years, and then I got a bump um, as my third season. And then I became the director of football ops at Akron. That didn't last long because I got a scouting job with the neighboring Browns. That didn't last long because we were terrible. And we all got fired, and we will talk about that season here. I got a question coming up about that. And then I was with the ESPN for 10 years immediately after that, and I've been talking to you guys ever since. So again, that was the very quick way of kind of talking about it. And no, I probably would not get back into scouting. Maybe I would consider a job with the Steelers, just because I only say the Steelers not because I'm a Steeler fan. It's because I'm locked in of being a dad and being at home and all my family's in Pittsburgh. So I have no real interest in moving. So um, getting back into scouting would mean a lot less family time and that would be a problem. But I would, I guess, consider something where I could stay in with the Steelers. But overall, I'm very happy with the media side of things. So that's it in a nutshell. Um, best of luck to you, Mike the Magic Man. Check out the Scouting Academy. I do think there's some value there for sure. Um, and that was my path. Again, knock on doors. Don't be afraid to take very little. I hope you love it, as otherwise you got no chance. Um, Schmeagle the Draft Scout. This is cool. Can you compare Cleveland Farrell to Bradley Chubb? How different were they as prospects? And they both basically, you know, they were picked four and five. No one had, and, and I'm kind of guessing this is what he's thinking here. Is no one had a problem with Chubb. Everyone had a problem with Farrell. I think Chubb is the superior prospect. And my knock on Farrell is he seems like a B, you know, if you're giving out grades in basically every category. Probably an A to A plus in character, and I do think that's what they like the most about him. Very good run defender, but he's just not super twitchy. I don't think he's got a high ceiling as a pass rusher, where I think Chubb has a much higher ceiling. But those, you know, that I, I, I'm impressed with Chubb, don't get me wrong, but those of you that have been listening for over a year, I was never all that fond of Chubb coming out either. Like, I know he was a top five pick. And no one batted an eye, and he's been a good player, and I'm not saying by any means he's going to be a bust or that Denver made a wrong choice. But when you looked at Bosa and Garrett and Clowney and Mack and other top five edge pass rushers, Chubb was probably last on my list then. And Farrell's lower than all those guys, to be very honest. So maybe I'm not the best person to ask because, in my mind... 
the difference from Chubb to Farrell probably isn't as great as in other people's minds. And that doesn't mean I condone Farrell as a top five pick, though. I, I don't think he was deserving of that at all. And I'm actually quite critical of the Raiders for making it. I can't believe that they couldn't have traded down four or five spots, picked up a future pick or anything, and got that done. So uh, we'll be back to wrap up the show. Uh, i got a lot more good questions here. Usually we're going to do like 20 to 30 minutes. We'll probably do about 25 today of your Twitter questions. We'll be back here in a moment. A really good, really good fan of the show and Twitter follower of mine is GoPats, GoPats79. He asked, just for fun, who are the final four teams in the AFC and NFC championship games next season? And being very honest, I cut and pasted this off my Twitter feed, but I've given it zero thought till now. So, first of all, don't hold me to this. I, I, I'm not going to, these are not my final predictions. But I look at the AFC Pats fan, and I'm going to, I'm not impressed with the Patriots roster. No Gronk. But I'm probably going to take the Patriots. I mean, I've been doing this long enough that I just have such immense respect for the organization. Frankly, they have an easy schedule. They have an easy path to winning their division. I would bet that if you had to put a chip down of any AFC team, who gets a bye next year? I think my chip's on the Patriots. So I think the Patriots would be one of my final four teams. I don't think a North team would be on my list. Kansas City we talked about before. I'm expecting a slight step back, even if Mahomes is still Superman. I really would like to pick the Chargers. I think the Chargers are maybe one of the best, maybe the best team in the AFC. I just think that there's so many speed bumps without their home field advantage and problems. And I mean, I just think that it's such an uphill climb for them. So I'm going to pick the Colts and the Patriots. If you haven't figured it out, I am very, very bullish on the Colts as an organization. Quarterback, the foundation, the line, uh, how they're building things. And I think that's going to pay off very, very quickly. Um, Yeah, I think that's my AFC teams as we stand here on, what, March 14th, May 14th? Now, I have not given the, or the NFC any thought. But really, the only team in contention for me in the East is the Eagles, and I'm also going to be very bullish on the Eagles. We had some NFC North talk earlier. I'm not going to pick the Bears. Vikings and Packers are in consideration. I expect a big bounce-back year from the Falcons, especially well, on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense. And the Saints might just be the best team in the league. And a couple of you asked for power ranks. Maybe we'll do power ranks next week. I do owe you that. Maybe even Friday. Saints might be one. So I do think the Saints are very strong. Like the Rams a lot. Can they keep up that level? I don't know. I mean, again, I think the NFC is a little more difficult. But again, preliminary, I'm going to say the Eagles and the Saints. Nick Fox asks, and this goes back to that year I spent with the Browns, which was awesome. How close were the Browns to drafting Aaron Rodgers the year you worked for their team? Um, the answer is we weren't at all. I mean, we had the third pick in the draft. We ended up with Braylon Edwards. That was the year that Alex Smith went one, and then it was Ronnie Brown. That was Cedric Benson, Cadillac Williams. Those were the top of the draft. How times have changed. I mean, three running backs went really, really early. Um, and... Braylon Edwards was our number one prospect overall, um, and really consensus. I mean, we, 
I thought he was the best prospect in the draft. He sort of worked out, sort of didn't. So we're not talking about that or revisionist history at that point. But he was a really, really impressive prospect coming out of Michigan. And so they, we were not close to taking Aaron Rodgers. We had also just signed Jeff Garcia, which signed, kind of sounds funny now, and had just drafted Luke McCown the year before. So there was some optimism in the building. Again, this sounds kind of stupid and foolish right now that you know, McCown might be Garcia's successor, and that obviously did not work out. But what I will tell you is the Browns as an organization had a higher grade on Rodgers than they did Alex Smith. So uh, they, we weren't going to end up with Alex Smith, but if we were going to end up with a quarterback out of the two, it would have been Rodgers. So how about that? I mean, I guess that's pulling back the curtain a little bit. Um, I think that's it. Uh, there's some other good questions here. I'm not sure we're going to get to any of them. There's one other one I wanted to get to, though. Oh, here we go. Yeah, back to Josh Redding, who we started the show talking with quite a bit. It's a good question, and I'd like you guys to think about it. Does AB's stat line look better or worse than Amari's, Amari Cooper's at the end of the season? It seems crazy to ask that question. You know, like To me, not long ago, I would say, boy, AB by a mile. He's the better player, and I still think AB's the better player. And if you go watch his tape, go watch Steelers Saints, which is a game before he loses his mind and doesn't show up for the Bengal game. He was the best player in the league that day. I mean, and he dealt with more attention rolled his way than ever this year. I thought AB was as good as ever. So I do not think he is a declining player. But we're only talking stats. And history shows that when wide receivers change teams, it usually isn't a good thing. You know, that usually. A change in scenery, change in scheme, change in, you know, common opponents, change in quarterback, obviously, usually doesn't bear well for for wideouts. Cooper aside, obviously. Um, and we saw Cooper struggle with this Raiders team, although I have more faith in this Raiders team now than I do when we last saw Amari Cooper in silver and black. I think no matter what, even if Brown was happy and cheery and back in Pittsburgh, that his TD numbers are going to go down. And I tend to think that there's a chance of craziness, though. You know, I mean, if I'm betting on who has the... Basically, on who puts up more fantasy points next year, Cooper or AB, I think I'm going to take Cooper. Less competition for targets. Maybe the... I mean, he's the he is the lesser player but less chance of regression due to age. I'm, I'm comfortable with his surroundings. You know, it's not a new situation. And maybe he only will get more comfortable in Dallas. Dak versus Carr to me is basically a wash. I think Gruden's the better schemer. I know he's the better schemer. But again, I think Cooper gets more targets where there's a lot more mouths to feed all of a sudden in Oakland. And I think it's just coming down to who do you trust? And I can't trust A.B. at all. <laughs> I mean, what if things go bad for the Raiders and they're 1-5 and five and he starts acting up and in a new town and how's he going to respond in L.A.? And, you know, where Cooper, I think, is on the better team. I think they'll have a strong line and running game and he'll be a featured guy, as will Brown, of course. But in the end, I'll take the less riskier version, the younger guy. And I think Amari Cooper's the, the pick here for who has the better statistical season of the two. Not to mention, I mean, 
Who would you rather trust? I know this isn't a fantasy question, but let's say your fantasy Super Bowl was on the line. The the team that's what seven and seven fighting for it, or you know eight and six, or the Raiders that have four wins and AB's doing weird things, you know. So yeah, I'm gonna take Cooper there. Guys, fun show. Um, quick to the point, no screwing around. Um, please check out the Crown League. Uh, I'll be pumping it like crazy on Twitter. I am at Williamson NFL. Most of you know that if you got questions in. Some of you, this might be your first Twitter Tuesday, Twitter Thursday. They are very fun. Um, I keep them very fast-paced and try to get as many questions in as possible. So think about that for next Tuesday. There's a very good chance I will read your tweet and answer your questions. So that's a wrap over and out. And we will have Mark Schofield back tomorrow, Mike Sando the following day. So uh, back to the normal schedule for Wednesdays and Thursdays going forward here the rest of the week. Over and out.